0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up, hold up, wait a minute. This is part two of a two-part episode. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, please pause, take a deep breath, maybe get a sip of water or a snack, go back to last week's episode, Listen to that one first because otherwise you're going to be a bit confused, I think. Welcome. Oh, I, this is funny. I have not here, and this is in July, uh, that I had my first talk with Julia, who was the director Hi. of Sycorax. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was because I was freaking out, trying to get ready for the opera, which was having rehearsals start in, uh, in a few months. And I was like, Opera singers walk into rehearsals like ready to do their thing. They have studied the part. They know their lines. They know the stuff. And I was like, "Uh, this is not a thing we do as actors. Typically, we learn it as we go. And I was really very worried. And having never been in an opera, I was like, I don't know what this process is like. And everything I've seen of opera rehearsals moves at a speed that is so outside of what I was used to as an actor um, and so I, I had been emailing back and forth with the director and I said, can we just have a conversation? And we had the first of a series of talks and she talked me off the ledge and was really wonderful and amazingly thoughtful and just said, look, I also have a theater background um, outside of opera and I definitely want to work in the way where we talk about character. We develop, you know, the character's Backstories and interactions and relationships and all those things are things we're definitely going to work on. so I calmed the fuck down and then was able to to start preparing um with a clearer head and not freaking myself out for no reason, which was which was very helpful, really great,
1: yeah, and we, we had really so I have especially had a deep I uh, was very optimistic about this time because we have. We were promised to get a nice apartment in the city of Bern, in the center, and we would stay there. And we have planned it quite well, because from this apartment, you could walk to the railway station and about a railway pass, and decide we have planned that we both, in the breaks between the rehearsals, we will make trips to France, to Italy. And everything seemed to be very beautiful unless until we saw this apartment
0: yeah well hold on we're skipping over we've already moved to like august and we're not we skipped over the the incredible trauma of decluttering the house which was
1: okay which is something that's
0: important (laughs) because um one of the things that is that that happened was that there was some frustration about organizing in the house because i'm a pack rat sort of person and I did not. I had not been apprised of the fact that this was something that was deeply frustrating to Georg, and I still did not know this until we actually had hired uh, a friend of ours who was starting this business of doing assisting with decluttering. That this was something that had been a huge issue for Georg. So I did not find that out until we were one day into this process, and uh, our friend was like, "Oh, yeah, Georg mentioned, you know, that he had been struggling," and I was like, "Oh, wow, you never." mentioned that to me, I had no idea. So that gave me anxiety on top of the anxiety I already had because it was, I felt shame. I felt it was already deeply problematic and difficult for me to let someone come and touch my stuff. And then I was like, it made me even sadder because I didn't realize that my stuff was making, you know, my partner and owner upset. And so the process of decluttering, which is something that I had not anticipated would be emotionally and psychologically traumatic, having to have all of the things that... I attach stories to my stuff. And so to have someone pick something up and say, well, do you really need this? And 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 then to have like all the story that it, is attached to it. And I know that there's all these ways when you're like, you let go of it. Does it spark joy? You say goodbye. You make room for your... Shit in your make room for whatever. I don't care. It was traumatic. It was terrible. It was terrible. It was terrible. I had the only thing I can connect to. It was like a little mini nervous breakdown where I couldn't think and I was hyperventilating. And I was just like, wanted everything to I, I I I vacillated between wanting to set everything on fire and walk away and wanting to just say, no, fuck everyone. I'm keeping all of my things. Um, we wound up actually having a really interesting experience of just like not even knowing where to put the things that had been cleared away and getting permission to just have essentially a giveaway sale in our hallway. And the fact that we live in a building that's populated mostly by students and other Columbia employees, we helped a lot of people with our stuff. And so that was great. But the degree of trauma inherent was so strong. Like At this point now, I'm paralyzed at doing the rest of the stuff that needs to be done. Um, and the project also was so much slower. I was thinking that we would at least get half of the house done and we had just the kitchen and living room done. So it was a lot. And as we were getting through this process, I had to get us ready to leave and live abroad for three and a half months and rehearse for playing the title role in this opera.
1: Um, it was,
0: that was too much.
1: It was really a bad a bad timing and and then we
0: arrived in
1: I have to I have to say that it is but this is still something which we have to do and because it is uh, we're, uh, our apartment is completely full with things and we have to find a way how we can how we can survive in this in this in this in this place and um, well,
0: I don't think it's fair to say our apartment is completely full of things because that makes it sound like it's a hoarder house.
1: It's not a hoarder house. It is.
0: Yeah. Like, there's a lot of, like, there's several suitcases. The bedroom is chaotic. Yeah. I'll own that because I have literally not had the energy or bandwidth yeah. to completely unpack because we have been traveling. Mm-hmm. I have not been home for more. This is the first time that I've been home for more than two weeks.
1: Yeah. And they have said good luck that two more suitcases are still in Vienna.
0: The oh my God. We haven't even gotten to that point. <laughs> Jesus, this year. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Between the two of us, we have different perceptions of what our what our home life is like. Mm-hmm. He feels like the apartment is jammed with shit, and I do not. He feels like everything is terrible and chaos reigns and I do not. And so trying to come to a consensus because ultimately, you know, this is his home and I'm the submissive and it is my responsibility to keep the home as he wants.
1: Um, it's but just it's very my, difficult. It's when my necessity as a dumb to make your life lovely and comfortable.
0: Well, it's also your responsibility to let me know when there's a problem yep. and to wait nine years is is a lot. <laughs>
1: well, I, I waited these nine years because I understand the background. I understand that, some, that you grew up in poorness. I understand how you have the deep emotional desire to have all these things.
0: Right, but that doesn't mean that that overrides.
1: And the fundamental point was really, and this is a connection with this uh, disastrous uh, situation, that I understood, okay, it's not the right thing if I just suffer because I love Molina. It is important that I have to take care of my needs. And this is a procedure which we are doing now in our life. And I'm sure that our both lives will be, at the very end, better than they have been before.
0: Yes, definitely. Um, But it is
1: exhausting. It's exhausting. And and they also understood, and this was, was what I learned while these things happened, I understood how this is this for
0: you? Right. Well, I had no idea how traumatic it was going to be. Yeah. Like, I just, I didn't know. And, and I, I feel like people who undertake this need to understand the emotional and psychological component because there's this assumption that you'll feel better with this particular style of living. Like, oh, you have less things. Oh, everything is organized. Oh, everything is whatever. That that intrinsically makes you feel better. And the reality is that's just not true. I don't, I, when I see photos of people's houses where there's no personal items and it's just a plant on a stand under a light, it makes me anxious. It makes my skin crawl. You know, there's this very famous couple who you don't, you may have heard of like the, the, the Kardashians and Kim Kardashian and Kanye West and that whole thing. And her home is like a creepy museum. Everything is in shades of white or beige or gray. The only place there's any color anywhere in their house is in the children's room. The children are allowed to have some color in their room, right? These multi-schoolionaire kids. And when I see photos of this, it just makes me, I'm like, that's terrible. That's terrible. That's a terrible way to live.
1: You know, I, I, I agree with you. This. Know, like, but, some, but sometimes it's just fine to uh, if I can get my turtleneck immediately and not have to.
0: Right. Look. And I, <laughs> so, yeah, and and here's the thing that you could also you can also say that I need this and or yeah. organize that yourself or tell me specifically to organize mm-hmm. it because it's not my. Yeah, it will do it. It's not my thing. You know, so this is the frustration is that I didn't know. And then I felt blindsided and humiliated Mm -hmm. in my own home, which sucked ass. And I still haven't recovered. I still go into the kitchen and I look for things that are gone. You know, I I look for things in places that they're not anymore. It's just, it's fucked up and it's my problem. I completely understand it's my issue, you know, and I don't want to be a dick about it. But it'll get better. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And so now we're in Switzerland and everything just went to shit. Everything went to shit, The first two weeks we were there, we got there. Thank God we were there a week early we were supposed to relax and have a good time. And we discovered the apartment that they had rented for us that they had not let us see, the leasing agent... Um, not the opera folks, they yeah. didn't do anything wrong. They
1: came in May to see it. Yeah. And, and they the leasing were not agency to people it.
0: were like, oh no, it's not available. Came to find out the actual owner of the house was like, oh, you could have totally seen it. But the thing is that this apartment building was older than America, you know, like it was the older
1: than the white guys in America. Well, America was ordered.
0: No, America was not America. America was Okay, good. its own thing doing its own like dozens of small nations. Okay, good. America as an as a thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: is its own thing. Okay. I separate those because that has nothing to do with the indigenous people who were living within their own nations because mm-hmm. they had nations. They didn't they were not a country, right? Anyway, it sucked. And I had a massive uh, uh, freak out walking up these tiny, this half circle spiral staircase that was just like screaming death to me. I'm like, I'm going to die if I have to go up and down these stairs. And you
1: would. Uh, so if you would have stayed there for two months on one day, you would have an excellent. It yeah, was, it would have happened. That's it was really a dangerous, really a dangerous uh, st- uh, turning staircase. Yeah.
0: Half circle, half helix staircase. The uh, the kitchen and the living area were separated by the hallway.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't really matter because the hallway was only three feet wide or uh, four feet.
0: No, it was, you had to walk five steps between the
1: yeah, five steps, door
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. to the, yeah. yeah, it was the width of the whole staircase. Yeah. And there was another apartment building above. So people would, of course, be going by. Yeah. If we were on the top floor, it wouldn't have been that big a deal, but we were not on the top floor. So people would be passing through your apartment essentially, right? Uh, There was no closet. And had we unpacked all five suitcases that we had with us, it would have taken up the entire living room area. The bedroom area had no ventilation. There was one window that faced a, 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 a shaft. So it was just terrible. So we're freaking out. And now I have to find us a place to live for two and a half months in Bern, which is one of the most expensive cities in the world, I think. Yep. It's like literally in the top 10 of most expensive cities in the world. It's atrocious. Um, That, of course, put a strain on our relationship. And I'm freaking out because I'm like, I should be getting ready for this huge project, not trying to find a place to live. So we were living out of a hotel for the first two weeks, which is unbelievably stressful. Uh, And doing rehearsals and everything else. The, The one thing I will say about the opera experience is that all of the attendant bullshit that swirled around it before and after did not touch the production.
1: That's true. Absolutely.
0: The production was so amazingly beautiful. Everyone, like we had... Five people in the cast. We had maybe 15, 12 or 15 people in the production team. We had a chorus of over 40 people, 30, no, almost, almost 40 people in the choir. Um, The running crew was another like 20 people or so. And then you had the orchestra, which was uh, 28 people, maybe 20, 20 people. In all of those folks, there was only one person who peed in the punch bowl Like, literally everyone else was an absolute delight. And I've never had an artistic experience like that. From the costume people, to our dressers, to the guys backstage, to our director, to our dramaturgs. Oh, my God. It was just, I I loved walking into that room every day. I loved it. It was so fulfilling and so beautiful. And the production was so amazing.
1: Yeah, I've had... Several, seen several opera productions of my operas. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you why this happened. Because it was you. You brought such a, you have such a huge social ability. Also, you, you all experience as a, as a king person and this, you are, you brought so much light into everything. And as you are you negotiated everything so wonderful and as you were the you were the crystal point in this socialization and without you so it's I'm now not speaking about the artistic uh, yeah. things which is it was extremely high too I mean you must imagine uh, you were a you were the, you were the, the only person who which did not sing it was, you had the the easiest part, because you only had to speak, <laughs> <coughs> and sometimes, uh, several times you got the most applause of everybody. Uh, this is, and uh, you see how how wonderful uh, this is, how you how you convinced everybody about about your abilities, about uh, uh, as a, um, without. You have seen other opera productions with some awful uh, characters, <laughs> so less, yeah.
0: than, less than stellar uh, humans yeah. working yeah. on yeah.
1: them. Yes, uh, well, uh, and you would not have it would not be have been possible beside you to be a Dickens production.
0: You might be right. I mean, I do now that you say that I do remember two or three different conversations I had. One with the. The makeup folks, one with the costume folks, and then with two guys from backstage, who actually said the same thing that you said, yeah, because I was really just gushing about how amazing yep. they were. and they were like, it's they were like, you are the one who brings yeah so much happiness. yeah, like they're like, everyone is always just so happy to see you because yeah. your energy is always. I'm like, but I'm like, how could you not be glad to be here? like this is this is my whole life to be on stage and to and to tell stories. Like, it was such an honor and such a privilege and so wonderful. I was so grateful to the work that Harriet did and that you did to tell the story and 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 to make it relevant to today. Yeah. Um, the bittersweet aspect of that was that a, a a friend of mine who I've known, oh, since the mid-90s from the kink scene in San Francisco, Andrew Conway, uh, came. He and his wife came. They were in of uh, the UK and they flew over to see the opera. And it was so wonderful to see the little faces in the audience. And at the end of the opera, I do a whole monologue to the audience. So I got to have a little moment of connection with, with them. Uh, but then by the time I got out of hair and makeup and came out front, they were gone and I messaged them and I thought maybe they had um, stepped outside and Andrew wrote back and said he wasn't feeling well if they had to go back to the hotel. And unfortunately, um, the day after they flew back home to California and he walked off the plane into an ambulance and to the ER with, uh, congestive heart failure, I believe, and COVID and, uh, another condition. And he was unwell for a week or so, and then passed. And so Sycorax was the last show he ever saw. And that loss was very very jarring. Um, I, I, I actually, one of the very few, uh, things that I am absolutely terrified of is death. I have a fanatophobia in addition to, um, just not liking even thinking about it. So the, the anxiety and the fear and the shaking that happens when I have to think about someone I love passing away is very heavy. Uh, although I was so glad that I got to see him at least in the, in the audience enjoying the show and knowing that, that they, that they were present. That was a really, a really amazing gift. Um, And then after the show closed, Georg was headed back to New York because he had to work and I had been gifted a slavecation. And then everything fell apart again (laughs) because someone lost their green card last year.
1: Last year. Yeah.
0: And unfortunately, the United States, uh, thanks to COVID, is just a little bit backlogged in replacing green cards. Well, I've,
1: I lost it in May, and on June the 5th, I think, I, went, uh, I started the procedure to get it reimbursed. And two months later, in Beginning of August. Yeah, but
0: that was twenty twenty one.
1: Yeah, August twenty one.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, like, be August clear. 21. This was not.
1: Ju- this I got some. I got some. I got message, Mister Haas. Everything is done. From said you, just we are working on it. Just wait until we send your green card. And since that time, I am waiting for my green card. <laughs> and uh, then, but then I got a stamp into my passport because. It was very difficult to get it, but I got it, and you helped me to to get it.
0: Yeah, we had to go. It's called a boarding foil, and it's a stamp that basically lets whoever looks at the passport know that you have a green card, you just don't have the
1: physical green card. And this is valid for one year. fine. And I got this stamp on this September 2nd, 2021. But then I did not get a green card. And I tried to get a renewal, today's system renewed, which was also not possible.
0: Because it had not expired yet. Because they it had not no expired.
1: expired. Yeah. And, then <laughs> I, and then I came to, after this in Zurich to the airport and they told me, okay, Mr. Haas, you're sorry, you are not allowed to enter the United States.
0: Which is fucking bullshit because he is. What the problem is, what the real reality is is that on the off chance, on the small, tiny chance that there is actually something fucked up with his green card, he has to be deported essentially back to wherever he came from and they don't want to pay the airfare, right? Like the likelihood that someone doesn't, that there would be a problem is zero because once he lands... The the immigration officers just look up his name. They look no, up no, his no, ID. No. They see that the green card is no, valid.
1: Not, excuse me. This has been before, but not now. And since this, this time, so I, I, much less than I had I had an idea. Uh, in Dublin, uh, there is uh, immigration, American immigration. Control and if you—that's a that's information for everybody. If you are traveling from Europe to the States, please uh, ch- change in Dublin or Shannon, <laughs> because from Dublin it's officially a domestic flight.
0: Yes, and you pass
1: through
0: immigration controls so, yeah. in the Irish airport. Yeah,
1: and. Uh, and I thought, okay, it will, be, it will be not a problem. But the officer talked with me and said, no. And it was really, I, I, he was just very close to, se- even he, to send me back. And then in my desperation, I said to him, well, today at 4 p.m., it was 7 a.m. in the morning, at 4 p.m., I have to teach my seminar with my students. And then he had mercy and allowed me to go. And this was, and after this, I knew it is too dangerous to leave the States and then you, I cannot come to the next concert, but it was not a problem because I also got COVID-19. Therefore, I would not have been, would not have been able to go to, <sighs> to go to Europe anyway.
0: Sigh. Yes, you did have COVID. You had a mild case. Thankfully, you were boosted and fully triple boosted. So that was great. And then because of all of this chaos, the additional suitcases that he was supposed to have flown back with, I took on the slavecation, just assuming, okay, you know what? I will just ship them with a luggage shipper when I get to Vienna. Cause I was, the end of my trip was, was, was in Vienna. Um, so that was what I planned to do. Um, I will tell you it is now January of 2023. And I still, we still don't have those suitcases because, uh, DHL refused to accept the manifest that I filled out. They made me go back and forth with it for a week. And then they decided, you know what? We've held these bags too long. We're shipping them back to uh, the shipper. But the shipper was no longer there because I shipped them from there to myself in America. So they just dropped them off in the apartment building with some neighbor and then told me later. It was, God, it was such a clusterfuck. I don't want to go all into it because I want that situation to be resolved. Then I will do an episode just on my fucking luggage if I ever get it back. If I ever get it back. So I took a little trip um, through like Eastern Europe. I did a little Czech Republic thing. Lost my meds. had a friend of a friend meet me at the hotel and he uh, took me to get new medication. And I discovered how awesome it is. If you need medication in everywhere in Europe, because you can just, you know, get it for like 50 bucks and not for 500 dollars, like it would have been in America. <sighs> well, it sucks here. It's not good here. It is just not OK. And then and then what happened? Look, what is this? Now we're in Hotel Walblick. What is this? Oh, this is Donna Eschingen. This is when I went to Donna Eschingen when you were still at home. And I was a fancy, you know, wife of the composer um, at this big festival. It was so cool. It was lovely. And what else? Then we came back. We're here. And then in San Francisco again. What was this? Oh, this was for Body Storytelling, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: You organized it. You, you were the, the host of the story.
0: Yes, that's right. That was the unexpected twist is that Dixie wanted to take a break for a bit and I was uh, one of the first people to host Body Storytelling and not be Dixie. And I think it went well.
1: It was amazing. I loved it. It It was really great.
0: That was super cool. Yeah, and then the B-52s concert that didn't happen... Oh gosh, and then we were back in Vienna, Berlin, Berlin. Oh, this was that trip where we went to...
1: This was the creepiest...
0: Vienna, Berlin, back to Vienna, back to Berlin, back to Vienna, back to Berlin, and then home.
1: No, 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 no uh, only only twice Berlin. Okay,
0: oh, sorry, yeah, only twice. Um, I was working with Cameron Moore, famously of um, Smut Slam. now in Berlin. She's American, but now lives in uh, beautiful Berlin. And we had been trying to do a project together for like maybe five or six years <laughs> and then plague happened and it was just all this stuff. So that was super great that we finally got to work together and do a really cool show. We did two cool shows. I was the judge for the Smut Slam and then we did a uh, a truth or dare pajama party that evening. That was great. And Der wore the cutest little pajama dress that I gave him that has mushrooms on it. Mm-hmm. So he loved it. And then now it's December, and we're. But I should I should start to speak
1: about the three miracles which I had there, because there are three artistic miracles. The first was uh, the performance of my piece, Limited Approximations. It's a piece for six grand pianos, and all of them are tuned differently and orchestrated. And it was the first time that the conductor did a lot of timing just to the correctness of the pitches. And the piece created a new type of quality. And it was for me an extreme, beautiful experience to understand and to see proof that these things which I do right make sense even if it is extremely difficult. The next miracle was I found a piano tuner in Vienna, who tuned the pianos for three grand pianos for my piece in the museum, the Kunsthistorisches, famous Kunsthistorisches Museum. You must understand, it was quite great thing for me that my music was here beside Tizian and Peter Bruegel and Rembrandt and this was quite intense. And I also have a very complex way to tune the pianos and it never really worked. But now I found a piano tuner who did it correctly and he worked and then then the performance was incredibly intense. The sound of the pianos was amazing. And the third. Miracle is a composed piece where it has to go f- gradually mm. faster and faster and faster and faster for forty-five, uh, for sorry, for two hours, and this is extremely difficult. And again, I found a performer who was able to do that, and it is for me a kind of f- fulfilling of lifelong dreams. When you see that these things that you believe they must be possible to be done and they will be amazing when they will be done, then to have the chance to listen how this, what you have wanted to do, is realized and most important, it makes sense. This was really a huge miracle, and after this, I think I can go home now, and I'm done more or less. Now I can compose, and don't, I don't need to listen to more performances of my music. It's done.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: I will, I will,
0: I will also add to that the um, the release of your memoir.
1: Ah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah good.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, sitting, uh, the professor started writing years ago a memoir and uh basically just of his life and he finished it just around the time that the shooting was done for the artist and the pervert and then it just kind of sat around for a little bit and a musicologist who was talking to Georg about a different project took an interest in it and got it published like boom like immediately because, you know, to have one of the most famous living composers who also happens to be a survivor of Nazi indoctrination, write a memoir about what that is, what that is like, what it is like growing up in that household is just an instant sell. Like no one's going to not fucking publish that. And so the publication hit this year. There was, as part of the Wien Modern Festival, uh, Wien Modern is where the, um, the piece in the museum yep. was hosted. It was hosted and by the, and them. And
1: the percussion piece, which is two and a half hours. And the percussion piece
0: them. as well. Those were all part of We in Modern. And they also hosted this, this book launch event. So they had several people come to speak, and Georg read some excerpts from the book, etc. And the room was very full. It was a, a lecture hall in the in the architecture university, which may seem strange, but Technical is relevant because...
1: University. Institute of Architecture in the Technical University is relevant to your life story because? My grandfather was professor in this, professor for architecture in this technical university. And he was director of the university during the Nazi time, which means he was responsible for the personal things that Jewish students and Jewish teachers were replaced, and he also was responsible that the research of the Technical University was focused on the necessities of the war industry.
0: Like designing concentration camps?
1: Uh, not, that, not, that, not, not, that, not directly, but indirectly, of course. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that was fascinating. Um, what was the most fascinating to me was seeing um, very, very old people creeping quietly into the margins of the room and sitting down. There were two, uh, I don't even know how old these folks, they were old as hell. So I'm going to assume that they are Georg's parents' generation or possibly even older. And to have them sitting there, leaning forward, listening so carefully as Georg shared his story, I can only imagine what that must have been like for them to to reexperience this this story because Austria has not dealt with the history in the same way that Germany has.
1: Uh, yeah, so I, many people said to me that uh, they now started to look at these things in their own families themselves. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, if, get emails where people write and write to me that uh, how, you know, how important it is to think to to, to speak about it because it is mm-hmm. uh, it is an I think this is uh, this is one of the most horrible things in the way how you live in these Catholic countries like Austria. Uh, that, Everything is based on sin, or sorry, on sin and forgiveness, and the problem is solved in secret, right? And, and, and it's kept in the inner life, and nobody is talking about it. So there's and no
0: processing. There's, there's no, no, processing no reconciliation. It, and, and everybody is alone. Is alone yeah.
1: with that. And I believe that this is this is just important to. Uh, to start a discussion, start a climate of being honest about the things. Mm-hmm. And this is maybe, this is the privilege which I do have. Because of course, I could have written these memoirs 20 years ago. But 20 years ago, the unknown composer Georg Friedrich Haas be, has been accused to do a crazy uh, advertisement activity.
0: Right.
1: And uh, Now it is, there is no danger uh, that I can use this story for my career.
0: Well, the other thing is that it it was so...
1: I use my career to give this story a stronger way.
0: Well, the most important thing is that it was completely supported by independent research. Yes. Right, yeah, like absolutely. this is the thing, regardless, is that they did an absolutely thorough job. Yeah. The bibliography on that book is
1: intense. Yeah. And as Daniel Ender, the scientist who, uh, who did this work, he really found all the sources. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah
0: that, was, that, was, that was very special. That was a very special moment, uh, of which I'm so proud of you, Professor.
1: I'm so proud. Well, again, without you, it wouldn't have happened. Because this is what I learned. There is no reason to be ashamed and to try to hide. Because the best thing to do is to speak about the truth. Mm-hmm. And you have
0: it. to tell your truth. Yeah. You have, you have to. to. And as you can see, it not only liberates you, mm-hmm. but it frees so many other people. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I spoke in my last podcast about the process of me trying to let go of, you know, my family shit. I've never gotten as many likes and comments on a post ever in my life on Facebook as that post has garnered. It's right now over 1,100 likes or something. Uh, Which post? The the post about me releasing my family. Uh, I have. I've never seen anything like that because so many people struggle with family stories, right? Your family story is an extreme example. And yet, people still relate to it, right? even if you're even if you did not have parents who were Nazis, so many folks had parents who were indoctrinating them in ways that were
1: harmful. but uh, that, what I'm explaining is, is that this indoctrination is emotional child abuse. absolutely. Um, on
0: top of the actual abuse, I mean, I'm sorry, not actual, on top of the physical abuse, yeah. right? Yeah. There's actually emotional, psychological uh, uh, torture of indoctrinating someone into a culture of hatred.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that it's, uh, I, I should, uh, one of the sentences I was told as a child was a sentence which was one of the motives of the SS. Unsere Ehre heißt treue. Our Honor is confidence. And
0: uh, our honor is confidence.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, it doesn't quite work in English. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, I remember. Traue is a word which you cannot translate directly into English. It is confidence, but it also is, for example, Taiwe is. Uh, Monogamous couple who always faithfulness together, stay stay together. So it's maybe, maybe like a faithfulness. You
0: faithfulness like a like yeah. a loyalty, yeah. like a
1: always loyalty, Yeah, yeah. So it, it's and, yeah. Um, and of course, I am not faithful as a <gasps> in this oh, situation, and I got a very short answer. But my say, aber meine ehre Heist, Wahrheit, but my honor is truth. And I think that this is a very, very important moral thing mm. because I have to confess to testify that my parents were criminals is still painful and still makes me, gives me some feelings of being guilty. Mm-hmm. Because a child who attacks, the, uh, the child who attacks uh, the parents in such a fundamental way is it's a deeply problematic situation. But... Uh,
0: yeah, the problematic situation is that your parents did fucked up shit.
1: Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and there is, and when I, but when I get, I bring into it the term abuse, then everything is changed, and because if there is abuse, there is a necessity of the abused person to defend themselves, and as this and uh, I, and of, I'm sure there are many, many other other uh, persons like. In similar situations like me, uh, who have parents who bring them into a very special ideology and manipulate them and, make, try, and try to make the, to, for them it's more important that their children have the correct ideology than that their children are happy.
0: Well, you know, we have a whole swath of Americans who do the same thing to this day. I mean, it's not Nazism, but it's racism. It's bigotry. It's still happening. This is why your book is important. Because this is not history. This is life right now today. That's
1: life right
0: now, absolutely. You know? And people need to fucking remember that. So I hope that the shit gets translated into English soon. (laughs) Because Americans need that book too. Probably even more. Probably even more. (sighs) I'm so proud of you, Professor. You do such good stuff.
1: I'm proud of you, darling. And mm. I see the last important step that you did, the last days of the you painful steps. Mm. And I just I cannot just feel. And I shared with you, as horrible as my parents were, I still feel painful. There's still pain. Yes. And even if they're much worse than you have been. And it's, but to make yourself free. Yes.
0: Truly free to, to, to the point where you can actually take a deep breath and feel truly connected to who you are, and loving who you are, and being proud of who you are. And I see that in you now. And I did not see that in the Georg Friedbergas I met in the winter of
1: 2013. But this was a different person. Mm -hmm. Still not so bad, because you you wouldn't have decided to share your life with me.
0: I'm sorry, you had two Bathrooms.
1: Okay, sorry, I forgot
0: it. <laughs> you are a wonder. I love you so much.
1: I love you, darling.
0: You've been listening to All That and Mo. Thanks so much for spending your precious, precious time with me today. My podcast is produced by Cody Crabb, theme music by Georg Friedrich Haas, as performed by Marcus Weiss. And I look forward to spending time with you again really soon.